It involves starting churches. And by the way, Brother um, Kime called me last night and uh, they've got a spot in Florida. Uh, some men down there in Florida have got a spot picked out next to a college that has a parking lot and a grassy field and they're going to let them have a tent revival there. So the tent binds on this week probably. And I'm telling you something, I'm wound up like an eight day clock. Amen. Because we're going to go everywhere, every time, every place to everybody we can with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to tell people of the good news that Jesus died and for them, they don't have to go to hell. But in 2 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, if they have this up on the wall, please, I want to preach, but, but it's to preach the gospel, to contend for the faith, and America needs preachers. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, let's go down to about verse number uh, 5. Verse number 5, and we're going to kind of pick up where we left off last week. But we say they're perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself. Remember, he's talking to Timothy here, a young preacher. And then he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, I'm just going to say two or three things about Brother Josh. He's sorry, low down, should have been in hell, but Jesus saved him. <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful start? He's got a good wife. Amen. That's his only hope outside of Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you something. I will say this about him. I don't know how many thousand homes, thousands of homes he has visited in this region of the country. But he has on his phone. And when he came here to this church, he wanted to do something for God. I said, I need somebody to visit every house. Leave him a CD, leave him a track, tell him about God. You don't have to have notches on your spiritual pistol. I said, just give him the gospel and keep trucking. And he did that. If you don't, if you think that's not work. If you don't think that takes dedication. If you don't think that takes courage, you tried that for two or three years and get bit yourself by a bunch of dogs. Amen. How many times you get bit? Once. Once. Okay, you did pretty good. But I'm saying this to you that uh, I'm thankful that he has a heart to see people saved. Amen. And he's willing to go to the jail. So I have no reservation about that. But here's what he's saying. When we get down into, he said, God in his contentment is great gain. We brought nothing in this world and certain we can carry nothing out. Well, that's a profound thought. You ain't taking it with you. Amen. amen. Somebody else going to own it all. They're going to crush your nice, beautiful truck and they're going to crush it someday and make something else out of it. Somebody else going to be sitting in the house you live in if it don't fall down first. We're not taking anything with us. He said in verse number eight, let it, having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Verse number nine, but they that will be rich fall into temptation. A snare, that's a trap. That was trapped to mean to kill you. And into many foolish and hurtful lust, which drown men in destruction and perdition. If there's ever a verse in the Bible that warns people about money, it's right there. Amen. Then he says this in verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which some having coveted after, they've pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And then he gets very personal here, and this is what I'm going to again preach on. But thou, underline this in your Bible, O man of God, Oh, man of God. Boy, I tell you, we need some men of God. Amen. I tell you what, back in the Old Testament, there's all the time them old prophets that said the man of God, the man of God, the man of God. I tell you what, we don't mean men. We don't need men of the NFL. We don't need men of the NCAA. We don't need a bunch of sissies and punks. And boy, I tell you what, don't get me started. We need some men of God. I want to ask you men out there today. He's already had his charge. I'm preaching to the church. Are you a man of God? Are you a man of God where you work? Are you a man of God where you live? Are you a man of God in your home and your house? And this is what he told him. Oh, thou man of God, and I'm going to give you four F's. 
And God told Timothy, number one, he, he said, flee. This is not just for Joshua. This is, Josh, this is for all of us. He said, there, he said, Timothy, if you're going to be a man of God, if you're going to make your life count, he said, there's some things you're going to have to run and run hard and fast away from. And the first thing he's mentioned here is the love of money and the pull of temporal things. Amen. The Bible said, no man that warth a good warfare entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Jesus said, no man can serve God and serve mammon. He said, you will serve one or the other. And I would say, Josh, one of the biggest, here's a problem. How many kids you guys got? I lost count. How many? Ten. Ten number testimony. All right. Now he's got ten children. Do you know what an average man wakes up in the morning thinking, how am I going to provide? How am I going to feed them? How am I going to pay the light bill? How am I going to have a rig to run? How am I go- uh, my kids want to do some things. My kids might want to go somewhere. My kids want, might enjoy things. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Oftentimes in God's men, they don't get to do things that other people do. But Josh, you're going to have a tendency, if you're not careful, the devil swing your eyes over and say, over there is something you can make some money at. Your wife could have a new dress. Your wife could have this. She could have a car to drive. Your kids could have better things and more things. And the next thing you know, you're like 99.9 of American men. Their mind is only thinking on more money, more money, more money, more money, more money, more this, more this, more this. And God said to the man of God, flee these things. Run from it. Because it'll kill your ministry. It'll kill your ministry. Love of money is the root of all evil. Amen. And the evil of not serving God and putting God first in our life, the love of money get. Listen, I like things as just well as anybody else. But I want to tell you something. There's another thing the Bible said to flee from. I'm going to give you three, four F's and we'll be out here. Number, the second flee is he said flee fornication. Amen. Josh, I'm going to tell you straight up, gun barrel straight. It's not only money and mammon, but maids that'll get you. More preachers are being taken down. The reason the church is in such disarray and disrespected and spit upon and trampled on in America is because the men of God have been taken down by immorality. And if you don't think that's, that's right, man, I'm telling you, it's everywhere. And I'm going to tell you something right now. You're going to have to walk. Now, I'm going to give you something right now. I'm going to give this whole church something. Listen to me. The second that your mind gets on another woman, you betrayed her. You're a traitor. Did you hear me? You're a traitor. The second your mind gets on another woman, you are a traitor. You're worse than Judas. Malachi said, thou hast dealt treacherously against the wife of thy youth. And more, more damage is being done to the church in America today because of treachery from the men in the pulpit than any other reason I know. You know why they don't listen to what you got to say? Because you're immoral. And God said, you run from it. Joseph, what did Joseph do? C.A. Spurgeon said that it's better to lose your cloak than it is your character. Joseph fled from her. She said, lie with me. Joseph ran out. She got his coat. That's how close he was. There's some things you're going to have to flee. You listen to me today and you're lost. You know what God says? Flee from the wrath to come. God says, I want to tell you right now, anybody listening to me is lost. You're lost. If you knew what hell was like, you would run. You would say, stop your preaching. I've got to get saved. I need to be saved. God said, flee from the wrath to come. The Bible said they'll run to the rocks and the holes in the mountains in the day of God's wrath. And they'll say, hide us from the face of the wrath of the Lamb of God. If you got any sense in your head, but you're so blind, you're just so busy, you're so oh, you're just oh, you're you're just it's another pleasure, another trip, it's another this, it's another that, it's another this, and you're just blind up. You're dying and going to hell. Flee. 
Second thing that I got to run, he said there, and follow. I like this. You see, God knows there are some things, Joshua, that the only thing you can do is run from it. Get away from it right now. But God said something else to Timothy. He said, Timothy, I don't want you just to flee some things. I want you to follow some things. Boy, this is good. Look what he said to follow. He said, you follow after righteousness. You follow what's right. Old Bob Jones Sr. used to say, do right and the stars fall. If the stars fall, you still do right. It don't matter what everybody else is doing. It don't matter if every other preacher in the country leads the King James Bible. Don't you do it. Follow after righteousness. Do what's right. That's, we're talking about practical righteousness here. Decisions happen. Follow after righteousness. Follow after godliness. He, didn't, he, he wants us to do what's right, what's godly, what's biblically sound. I want to tell you something right now. I want to ask the congregation there. Are you following righteousness? Are you following godliness? God doesn't want us to follow wrong, sin, evil. He doesn't want us being that carnally minded Christian, worldly loving Christian. I'm going to tell you something. Each generation is influencing the generation to come. God says, Timothy, I want you to follow godliness. We're to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ, not worldliness. And here's what's breaking my heart. I have never in all my years of preaching seen so many people who claim to be Christians who will not follow righteousness, who will not follow God unless they're going to follow what I'm going to do. And then they'll turn right around and perk their head up and tell you how good they are with God. Let me just tell you something. I hate that country western. I hate country western music, by the way. I think it stinks out of hell. But they got that old song that me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. No, you don't. No, you don't. You are not carving out a Jesus that likes your stinking filth and nastiness. And Josh, I'm going to tell you, he said, follow righteousness, follow godliness. He didn't say follow how they dress. He didn't say follow how they cut their hair. He didn't say follow how they shave their face. He didn't say follow their tattoos, follow their jewelry, follow their TV programs, follow their junk. He said, follow godliness, follow godliness. But, oh, we got this Christian America now. We're just worldly. I mean, we love the world. And we want to look like the world, act like the world, dress like the world, look like the world. You're not following godliness at all. You're following Hollywood. You know it. Some of you ought to get out of your sin and come and ask God to forgive you right now. Right now. You know it's the truth. We got preachers. Oh, they got their little sissy, look like women's slacks on, little tight at the bottom stuff. Hey, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You think you're going to wear that junk in the millennial kingdom? God bless you, brother. You know what Ronnie Simpson, who's coming to preach, said? When the best Christians in the church start getting right, you'll start seeing revival, but not till. Follow after righteousness. Let me just tell you something. If you... Some of you in here, every morning you get up, you walk out and you bow on your knees and kiss the world's feet and tell them you'll do exactly what they want you to do and how they want you to do it. You will watch what they want you to watch, dress like they want you to dress, look like they want you to look. And I'm going to tell you a little secret about life. You ain't never going to get low enough and kiss their toes enough to make them like you and approve of you and accept you. You are never going to do it. 
They'll, they'll, de they'll demand more of you and more of you and more of you. You will never kiss the world's feet enough to make them approve of you. They hate your guts. Oh, what we're following is who won the Super Bowl. We're following our ball team. We're following after righteousness and godliness. Look across America. I'm trying to look like, I mean, it's just unbelievable to me. I mean, I, you talk about here, I think about that where the Bible says, I'm a pilgrim and a stranger in this earth. I feel so alienated from this earth. I mean, I don't belong here. My home somewhere else. I'm just traveling through. Then he said, Timothy, watch, watch what your Bible says. He said, follow, he said, follow after righteousness. Follow after godliness. And follow after faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. You can get hot about this if you want to. Did you listen to what Martin Luther wrote in that song you just sung? Let goods and kindred go. Can I tell you right now why some of you won't? It's because you love your friends and you love your goods more than you love God Almighty. And your real problem is a problem of love. It's not a problem of the rules of this church. Your problem is love. You do not love God. Amen. Oh, but you do, but not as much as you love the world. And then I've got something to tell you what the Bible says. If any man love the world, any man, the love of God's not in him. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be the friend of the world is the enemy of God. You better find out whose friend you are. He said, follow faith. Stay in the word of God. Then he said, follow love. I want to add to the challenge he gave you, brother. I, in the face of every circumstance that ever hits you, just believe God's word. Amen. If it looks like it is not turning out like I thought the God's word said it should turn out, still believe him. Amen. Still believe him. He said, follow faith. And then he said, follow love. And I'm going to say this to you. There's no way to not only live the Christian life, but to minister in the Christian life without love. But this sorry, corrupt, perverted nation has no clue what love is. Because I'm going to tell you what love does. Love rejoices in the truth. Love wants truth more than anything. I mean, tell you what. I mean, you, 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 you know what you want out of your spouse? You know what you really want out of your spouse? You know what you really want out of your spouse? It's truth. You want no bull. You don't know lying. You don't know angles, no avenues. No, no, you don't know this twisted stuff. You just want the truth. Amen. Just be honest with me. A marriage that does not have the truth that springs from eternal love is shot. Amen. And when you start lying to yourself and then convincing yourself that your lie was okay and it's kind of the truth, you're in bad shape. Right. You're in bad shape. Let me just tell you, ministry and Christianity has to spring out of the fountain of God's love. If I'm preaching to you today and I'm preaching hard, but if I don't love you, it don't amount to anything. All right? But if I love you, I will tell you the truth. Because I'm going to tell you something. I look for Jesus to come back soon. I'm telling you, this thing's winding down 
and I love you, and I want us to be ready to meet our Lord. Amen. He, said, he said, follow after love. That means be, be, suffer long, be kind. Then he said, follow patience. Man alive. Patience with people. Patience with yourself. And meekness. And oh, Josh, how I would tell all of us how we need meekness. Josh, just give you some old cornbread and beans, hillbilly advice. Do you just right now say, Lord, I'm going to totally give up my right for anybody to appreciate or to approve or to accept me about anything. Jesus said, I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your souls. If you don't give up your right to be liked, appreciated, approved, embraced by other preachers, by churches, you're going to be a miserable preacher. Be meek. Give up your rights. This is what God said to follow after. Then God said in verse number 12, fight. So we flee things. And then we follow some things. And then we're to fight for some things. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hath professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the period of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to tell you what we need in America. You listen to me good. We need some fighters. We need some men to fight. Now the Bible said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes it sure looks like it, don't it? We need some men who will fight. You say, Reggie, what would you be fighting for? I'm going to tell you something. We need to be fighting for the word of God, first of all, because if we don't have the word of God, I listened to a message last week, the message that turned America against God. It was preached back in 1925, I believe, by, by a, a, an infidel who's pastoring a Presbyterian church up here in New York. And he preached about that the fun, fundamentals of the faith that Christian people, as long as we believe the fundamentals of the faith, we couldn't have any fun. Let me just tell you something. Ain't nobody in the world got more joy than I do in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. It's pure joy, good joy, lasting joy. Amen. But they're going to make you think you don't have it. And he preached that, the, that Jesus Christ wasn't God, that the blood doesn't atone, that he didn't bodily resurrect, and on and on and on, and he denied the faith. And did you know what happened? John D. Rockefeller, John, listen to this, John D. Rockefeller built that man. His name was Harry Fosdick. He built him a brand new church up here in New York, financed the entire church and said, go preach that message to the United States. And they infected all the seminaries and infected all the Bible colleges, infected all the preachers with unbelief, and they especially infected with them. He did not believe the Bible was the preserved, pure, perfect word of God. He said, you can't trust it. It's got mistakes in it. And they infected this nation. And John D. Rockefeller financed it. And now all of America, you got these little penny any preachers walking up there with their little girl slacks on, their shirts unbuttoned, trying to look like a queer, like, oh, we got nothing wrong with queers. Singing their rock and roll music in the house of God. And they don't believe the Bible and they're all running with these NIVs and every other stupid Bible they've got. They're not Bibles. They're perversions out of the mouth of hell. Amen. And there's no power. And we're not even fighting. We don't, we're like, we're like we, got a, we got a gun, but we ain't got no shells. There's no power. And I'm going to tell you something. That Bible's the sword of the Spirit. I'll tell you, it'll cut you. It'll, it'll save you or sentence you one or the other. You're going to do something Bible. It's going to save you or sentence you one or the other. You mark it in your day book. 
And I'm telling you right now, he said, you fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Uh, Brother Josh, fight false doctrine. Uh, when I started preaching in 1982, I didn't have any better sense than to preach that the Pope was a fake Oh, Woo! And all of a sudden, everybody in Wright County started hating my guts. Preachers come to me and said, Reggie, you need to quit attacking the Catholics. I said, I'm not attacking the Catholics. I'm just telling them he's wrong. Amen. But oh, I was at the, you know, I sound like a bunch of queers to me. These preachers talk just like the queers. They accuse you of things that you're not guilty of. You're not tolerant. I'm going to tell you who's not tolerant. That's that queer bunch. Amen. Amen. And you, you attack the, you preach against false doctrines. Mormonism's wrong. They don't believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. Amen. They don't believe in the blood atonement. They don't believe nothing that's right. We need some preachers who'll fight. Oh, I know you want to make everybody like you and fill the preachers and fill the pews. I'm going to tell you something. I'm always looking for something else to preach on. They still keep coming. Amen. Yeah. There are people out here who want the truth. Yeah. But I'll tell you, you've got to be willing to lose some of them. Amen. Yeah. You listen to me this morning. I'm talking about fighting. Fight false doctrine. Fight the lies. Fight the wickedness. The education system right now. Right. Oh, hey. I put out a post here a while back. I said, is there any teachers in Wright, Douglas, and Webster County that are willing to say on Facebook that you stand against adultery, fornication, sodomy, perversion, and child molestation, and the only two teachers in the entire three-county area said they did, and one of them sitting in this church. The teachers in your schools are afraid to say that sodomy is wrong and child molestation is wrong. Are you listening to me this morning? We're in a mess. You better wake up, buddy. You see, if they're not promoting it, at least they're, I won't say nothing about it. I promise you, I'll keep my mouth shut. Never seen such a nation of cowards in my life. I'm going to tell you, we need some guts and some backbone and some unction. Amen. The truth will set people free. They don't love anybody. They're willing to let everybody die and go to hell being woke, council cultured, and politically correct. Let them die and go to hell and then talk about love. (sighs) Fight the fads. Fight the fashions. Fight the philosophies. Fight the entertainment industry. Fight the education system. Public education system is leading this nation to hell. The entertainment system is leading this nation to hell. Some of you, oh, we're going to go to Disneyland. You got problems. Now I'm going to tell you something to fight, brother. Fight discouragement. Do you ever get discouraged? Most everybody does. You'll fight it. Now, let's tell you right now, if you need to, you leave that church, you leave that ministry, and you get that gal, you send these to Grandma and Grandpa. (laughs) They'll be better to them than you are anyway. (laughs) And you go off with her, and you take a little break, and you say, honey, I'm discouraged. And you you read that book, and you read that book until the Holy Ghost of God comes moving through the trees into your heart and starts encouraging you again to lift you back up and you jump up and say, honey, let's get back there. I'm ready to fight again. Amen. You got to overcome depression. Amen. Preachers get depressed. Yeah. you wanted to die. And then I'm going to tell you, overcome, fight discouragement, fight temptation. Resist the devil. Take up the sword. Take up prayer. Second Timothy 2, 3 says, endure hardness. This is a good soldier of the cross. I've got to run. Number four, and he's already preached this. I'll do it very quickly. Not only flee, not only follow, not only fight, but finish. Second Timothy 4, 7 on the wall, please. 
Josh, all you ever do for the Lord won't matter much if you don't finish well. They'll never remember nothing you did for Jesus except you messed up. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I need you to do something for me. Once you go to your house this week, get out your dictionary and look up the word quit and take a knife and cut it out of your dictionary. Quit is not to be in your vocabulary. They're going to cry. You're legalistic. They're going to cry that you're holier than thou. They're going to say that you're unloving. And they're going to pressure you to compromise over and over again to accept the world, its music, its dress, its education, its appearance, its religion. And the road will become more narrower and narrow as you get older. And it will become more lonely and lonelier. It did for Jesus. It did for Paul. It did for the apostles. I want to remind everybody in this church house. I don't think Jesus was over 30 miles away from John the Baptist when he was in the jail cell getting ready to have his head cut off. And Jesus didn't come and save him. John the Baptist sent messages. He got to doubt and Terry. Somebody preached on this the other night. Are you here or should we look for another? I'm in prison. They're getting ready to cut my head off. Where's Jesus at when I needed him the worst? Some of you are sitting in church house this morning and you're going through financial trouble. You're going through health trouble. You're going through all kinds of trouble, marital trouble. You're saying, where's Christ? Where's the Jesus Reggie preaches about on Sunday morning? Where's the reality of Christianity? I can't see it. And you just got to say, Lord, yea, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. You will say, Lord, where else can I go? Where else can I go? I'm not going to lie to the church. As far as I'm concerned, I'm in the worst year of my life. I've never hurt so bad in my life. But I've never seen God move so much in my life. And I don't know what's going on. I know he just told me to be what what Brother Jason said. Just be faithful. Just be steady. Just keep doing what I told you to do. You'll understand it better by and by. May you, as Jesus said, when you leave this world, may you be able to say, I finished my course. I may have stumbled and fell and messed up more than I'd ever dreamed I would, but I, I still love him. I want to give you a little something, Josh. There are many nights, especially this year, when I've knelt down beside my bed before I go to sleep and I can't pray. Sometimes I've sinned so much. I say, Lord, you said if I'd confess my sins, you'd be faithful and just forgive me my sins. I believe your word is all I've got. But Lord, it just seemed like I'm such a failure. But then I fall on the cross. Amen. I fall at the mercy seat. But Josh, there's times when all I've done 
It's just got on my knees and say, Lord, I told you years ago, I'd try to pray every night before I went. I'd get on my knees beside this bed every night before I go to sleep. All I know is you're God. I love you. Thank you for giving your son to die for me. Lord, I'm going to bed. I'm not in the mood to pray. I pray that you'll flee the right things. I pray all of us will. Some of you need to flee some things today. I pray that we'll follow righteousness and godliness, faith and love, patience and meekness. And I pray that we'll fight. We will fight. This, I pray this church will fight for the faith once delivered to the saints. And I pray that we'll finish. That we'll finish. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't get halfway through the Garden of Gethsemane and say, I'm out too much? Aren't you glad he wasn't carrying the cross toward Gethsemane and saying, I'm tired of it. I'm out of here. These people won't appreciate this. I'm done. Aren't you glad whenever they nailed him to the cross and they spit on him and they plucked his beard and they placed a crown of thorns upon him, aren't you glad he didn't say this is too much? These people that I'm dying for could care less. Aren't you glad he didn't quit? The Bible said he said this, it is finished. And he gave up the ghost. That's what I want. Let's finish well, God being our helper. At this time, I want to ask you a question. Are you listening today and you're not saved? Are you saved? I want to tell you the gospel. Jesus died for you. Without him, you'll bust hell wide open. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And salvation is substitution. You place your faith in a substitute, Jesus, who died in your place. When you place your faith in Christ, God gives you his righteousness and puts on Christ your sin. And God saves you, births a new person, and forgives you, reconciles you, gives you his righteousness, and he saves you. If you've never been saved this morning, maybe you're listening to me online. I don't know where you're at. But if you're in your living room, your car, whatever, why don't you just say, dear God in heaven, have mercy upon me. And receive the Lord Jesus Christ and believe on his blood, his death, his sacrifice for your sins. Right now, Van's going to come and we're going to sing another song. I believe it's, I have decided and here's what's going to happen.